Today we are going to continue our series on Jesus on prophecy. And uh, we are going to talk about the Armageddon. And that's a topic that has become a theme for books and for movies. And uh, a lot of people have an interest in that topic. And today we want to know what the Bible has to say about that. Amen? And I want to invite you to pray with me one more time as we delve into this topic. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are grateful for the opportunity to study your word together this morning. And we realize again that we need the Holy Spirit to be with us. And we invite the Holy Spirit here because without you, we cannot do anything. And Father, I pray that as we open the pages of the Bible, the Holy Spirit will make it very clear and bring conviction to our hearts and uh, help us to make a decision to surrender our lives completely to you. But we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. So let's then delve into this topic. And again, this is more toward the end of our series. There is a lot that we have covered, and I will make reference to what we have covered so far. So I'm not going to be able to show everything from the Bible today because we are building upon previous, previous studies. If you have not had the opportunity to listen or to watch the other presentations, they are available in our website, okay? In our website and also the YouTube channel. You're welcome to access them there. But let's go here and explore Jesus on the Armageddon. We saw that uh, one of the signs of the times that Jesus is coming soon and will put an end in all things are natural disasters like earthquakes. And some wonder if that has to do with the battle of Armageddon, which we find in the book of Revelation. We see fires everywhere burning miles and miles in different continents. And some people wonder if that has to do with Armageddon. We see also... Uh, volcanoes erupting in different places and causing damage and uh, we always face the possibility of a financial collapse in different parts of the world and that brings um, nations and families and people to distress and uh, it's also a very possible threat to our world a global conflict a nuclear conflict, a conflict that could bring our world uh, to an end. Uh, but Jesus said that the end will not come through wars, but he definitely said uh, it's one of the signs that it would be increasing more and more as we approach to the end. So could all these things be the Armageddon of Bible prophecy? And that's what we want to explore uh, this morning. But as our theme always is, if it is in the Bible, I what, everyone? I believe it, but if it disagrees with the Bible, guess what? It's not for me. Is that a fair statement, yes or no? So that's what we are going to do this morning. And I want to review quickly with you. I invite you to go to the book of Revelation chapter 14. Just a quick review here so we can set the stage for our study, which is on the Armageddon. So Revelation 14, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7 first. And I want you to see that there is a message that will go out to the whole world. Notice what we find in verse 6 of Revelation 14. The Bible says, Then I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. For what purpose does it say here? To preach to those who dwell on the earth. To how many nations, friends? every nation tribe tongue and people friends the bible says that the gospel message will be accessible to the whole world okay so everyone it will come to a point that everyone that wants to know about jesus wants to know about the truth they will have an opportunity and will be accessible to them but notice the message here in verse 7 there is a message calling people to worship the true God, and it specifies who is the true God. I want you to pick it up in the verse. Notice in verse 7, the Bible says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him. Who is Him here? Who, what's the next word, everyone? Made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. So who is the true God, according to Revelation, that deserves to be worshipped? It is the creator God. It is the God of heaven who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the fountains of water. 
Okay, and we have studied already that uh, the Creator has given a memorial of His creation, and that was the seventh day of the week. After creating the world in six days, the Lord, uh, the Lord gave the seventh day, and that was the Sabbath, and He did three things on the Sabbath. What were they again? Okay, He hallowed the Sabbath. He rested, and He sanctified the Sabbath, right? And, uh, and he gave that for humanity. So in one side of the message, we have a call for people to worship. What kind of God have you won? The creator God, okay? And that has to do with also keeping all the Ten Commandments through faith in Christ, including the Fourth Commandment, which calls people to worship the creator by keeping the Sabbath holy. Now, I want you to see what it says in verse 9, because there is another warning here okay and that was a warning against a kind of worship that we should not engage in the last days notice with me verse 9 in verse 9 the bible says he himself um, shall also excuse me i'm in the wrong verse verse 9 the bible says then I, a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if anyone what is the next word everyone worships the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or in his hand what's going to happen it says in verse 10 he himself shall also drink of the wine of the what is the next word the wrath of god and we're going to talk about the wrath of god in a little bit okay which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation we can stop right here but i want you to notice this notice here in the slide in the last days uh, there will be a message okay warning people to worship the creator and not worship the beast, the image of the beast, and accept the mark of the beast. They are going to be calling for worship as well, the beast, the image of the beast, and enforcing the mark. So in the last days, you need to understand that the central issue in the book of Revelation is worship. Is what, everyone? It is worship, okay? So notice what it says here. Revelation predicts a final conflict over true and what kind of worship? false worship and that's important for you to understand the armageddon the battle of armageddon okay because a lot of our friends in the faith they believe that armageddon will be actually a war in the middle east that will take place and we need to understand more that is really about worship okay true worship or false worship but we're going to delve more into that notice what it says here the great conflict in the last days of earth history it's a struggle in the human, what if you want? In the human mind, everyone will be involved. The great battle is a battle for the soul. It revolves around the issue of worship. In one side, you have God wanting our allegiance, okay, wanting our heart. And in the other side, you have Satan operating through the beast, the false prophet, or the image of the beast, and the mark of the beast. Okay, so... It's a test of loyalty. And that has been actually throughout the Bible, but that will culminate in the last days. For instance, we remember in the story of Daniel's friends in Babylon, okay, and that's uh, suitable for a message this morning because in the book of Revelation, there is an end-time Babylon, a spiritual Babylon, as we're, we've, we've been exploring. But uh, Daniel's friends, they were tested in Babylon to remain faithful to God when a false worship was being promoted. Okay, so what is God's wrath? Now we need to explore that for a moment because in the chapter that talks about the Armageddon, we find the wrath of God. We find what, everyone? The wrath of God. So we need to understand more about that before we talk about uh, Armageddon directly. So, first of all, I have a statement here, but we're going to explore what the Word of God says. God's wrath is not His anger at sinners. It is His judgment upon what, everyone? Upon sin. But what if I choose to hold on into sin? Will, will I be affected when the judgment falls? Most definitely, okay? So God is in the business of saving, but if I choose to hold on unto my sins, when the judgment come, when the penalty for sin comes, I will be affected, or anyone who chooses to hold on unto sin. So notice here in Revelation 15, just one chapter over. Go with me to Revelation 15. And I want you to see what the Bible says about the wrath of God. We are reading verse 1. Revelation 15, verse 1, the Bible says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last, what have you won? 
plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Do you see there that the wrath of God is related to the seven last plagues? Yes or no? Is that clear, everyone? So we are going to explore about end-time events. Let's see some of the sequences that we find in the book of Revelation here. Notice, number one, the world... Uh, the worldwide preaching of the gospel. So there is a prophecy saying that the gospel will be available to the whole world for whoever wants to know about Jesus and the gospel. Number two, all humanity makes a final eternal choice. They will have a choice to make, friends. As the gospel is proclaimed under the power of the Holy Spirit, people will need to make a choice. The mark of the beast is enforced in a final conflict over worship. We already saw that the mark of the beast is not a sheep, a, 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 a chip that is put on your forehead. Um, it's not a COVID-19 vaccine. We saw it's the mark of the beast, and we identify the beast as being the Roman Catholic Church and state, as we studied Bible prophecy, and it's a mark of the authority of this this power, okay, and it has to do with Sunday worship when enforced by law. We already studied about that. Again, if you want to study more about that, you can go to our website, and we have a presentation called The Mark of the Beast. Now, number four here, God's loyal people lovely do what, if you want? Obey him, and that's not salvation by works. It is prompted by the Holy Spirit. As we surrender our life to God, the outcome is a life in conformity to God's will. Number five, seven less plagues are poured out, and we're going to see that more this morning as we study. Christ delivers his people, and I want to call your attention here to the same chapter in Revelation 15, and now the very last verse of this chapter, and that is verse 8. I want you to see here what's going to happen when the seven last plagues begin to be poured out. Are we together? So what, is, what, are, uh, what are we trying to find out here in this verse? What's going to happen when what is poured out? The seven last plagues. Now notice carefully here in verse 8. If you are there, follow with me. The Bible says, The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. That's the temple in heaven, right? Where Christ is interceding for us. So that temple is filled, okay, with the glory of God and his power. And notice carefully what it says. And no one was able to do what, everyone? Enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. First thing that I want you to understand, when the, when the, the plagues are being poured out, how many people can enter the temple of God in heaven? No one. And we're not talking about physically going there. We're going to see how we enter in the temple of God in a little bit. So the first thing is there will come a time, friends, when nobody can enter in the temple of God. Okay? No one will have access to the intercessory work of Christ as the one that forgives our sins and cleanses from sin. Notice here what it says also in this verse, the same verse. Until when we will not be able to enter the temple of God? Till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So during that time frame, okay, so, you know, Jesus will not be accessible when it comes to forgiveness. How do I know that? In Hebrews chapter 10, I'll just read quickly here, but you're welcome to go there if you will. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 22 tells us how we can enter the temple. The Bible says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to, what is the next word? Enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How do we enter the temple of God? Is it physically going there now? No, we enter through the merits of the blood of Jesus. Okay, there will come a time, friends, that the blood of Jesus will no longer be pleading for sinners. Is that, does that make sense? So until the seven plagues are fulfilled. Okay, notice now what it says in verse 22. And let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of what? Faith. That's how we draw near to God, to his temple. Through faith and the blood of Jesus, we have access uh, to him in his temple. So... Bible prophecy predicts a time when uh, the intercessory work of Jesus, his blood will no longer be pleading for sinners, okay? That is called the, the close of probation, okay? When intercession is over. 
And then Jesus will make a declaration that I want you to see in Revelation 22. Go there with me, Revelation 22. And by the way, that verse is found just before Jesus comes with the reward. Okay, so notice carefully here. It's, it's really toward the end of time, the very end of things. Probation will close. The seven plagues will fall. And then Jesus will come. Notice carefully what it says in verse 11. The Bible says, he who is unjust. That's the declaration that Christ will do when probation closes. He that is unjust, let him be what? unjust still no longer a chance for this individual he who is what filthy let him be filthy still probation has closed okay so there will come a time friends when the sanctuary will no longer be accessible not even through the blood of jesus okay so that's why the urgency of the message calling people to fear god and give glory to him for the hour his judgment has come now notice what it says here who, uh, he who is righteous, let him be what? Righteous still. He has made his mind. He's settled into the truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Make no mistake, friends. The Holy Spirit is still working in the hearts of his people. Okay? He who is holy, let him be what? Holy still. So every case will have been decided. Okay? Those that want to follow God and those that want to reject God, there will come a time that... The close, uh, the, the probation will close. Every case will have been decided, and there is no way now to change their minds. Okay, so that's why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. So notice here what it says. In one side, we are going to have the righteous, the holy, and pure through the grace of God, and the other side, you have the unrighteous, unholy, and impure. Okay, and uh, the seven plagues will fall during that time, and then we will see Christ come in the clouds of heaven. Notice this statement here. The final crisis that is coming upon our world will lead men and women to make one of the two decisions. What are the two decisions that we need to make in the last days? Completely for Christ or completely against Christ. There is no middle ground, friends. We can't be almost saved. If we are almost saved, guess what? We are totally lost. So we need to make a decision. Yes, now we have a middle ground where people are still thinking what they want to do as they are allowing themselves to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. But a time will come when the message is made available to the whole world that uh, prophecy will transpire more and more before our very eyes that probation will close. Now, let's go with me to chapter 16, verse 1, the very next verse. We read verse 8 of chapter 15. Now, um, I took you actually to chapter 22. So let's go back here a little bit. Let's go to chapter 16 in your Bibles. And we are going to continue to talk about the wrath of God, which is the seven last plagues. Okay, there is more about the wrath of God, but for, for now, let's, let's keep that in mind. It's, it's a reference to, to the seven last plagues. Revelation 16, verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the, on the earth. And that's the chapter we find the seven last plagues. And I want to go through the seven last plagues with you this morning. And that has to do with the battle of Armageddon as we're going to see more and more as we go through this chapter. But here it is a question for us to reflect. Think about that. Do God's people go through the tribulation, yes or no? We're going to see what the Bible has to say, okay? Yes, you gave the right answer. That's what the Bible says. But uh, to this morning, we want biblical answers, okay? So we are going to explore what the Bible has to say, friends. But we actually see, because there is this notion uh, for some um, scholars, they say that uh, God will take away his people before the great tribulation and then extend a chance uh, for some people to repent. And they say God will not allow, a God of love will not allow his faithful one to go through tribulation. But that's not biblical at all. And I, I want to show you beginning with this. Remember, when we talk about God's wrath and God's plague, our minds go straight to what story in the Bible, everyone? The Egypt, right? The plagues that fell upon Egypt. Now, notice carefully what it says here. The Israelites were protected by God during the plagues that were poured out on the Egyptians. Wasn't that true? 
Well, yes, they were protected, but did they go through that period of tribulation when the plagues were falling upon Egypt? Yes or no? Most definitely, friends. Just as the Israelites were present through the plagues and delivered at the end of the plagues, so God's people are present but protected through the plagues and delivered at the end of the plagues. That's what's going to happen as we are going to see in the book of Revelation. We have other examples in the Bible too, like we already talked about Daniel's friends. They decided to remain faithful when there was this false worship before them and they were thrown into the, the fiery furnace, okay? But God protected them and God delivered them, but they went through the tribulation. So this notion that God does not allow his faithful people to go through tribulation is not biblical at all. It may be found um, in movies, but it's not in the Bible. Notice Revelation 7. If you're there in Revelation, you just go a, a few chapters before in chapter 7. And I want you to see what it says about God's people and the tribulation. We are reading verse 14. And I'll just read a portion here of verse 14. For the sake of time, it says, These are the ones who come out of the, what kind of tribulation? The great tribulation. So it's very clear that God's people in the last days, they will go through the great tribulation. Now, let's talk about the seven plagues for a moment. We are now in chapter 16 of Revelation. What chapter, everyone? 16. Let's go to Revelation 16. And I want you to see with me here the first plague. It talks about sores. Notice, let's read uh, verse 2. Just, I will go quickly here in the first four plagues, okay, because of time. A fall and a loathsome sore will fall upon those who have the mark of the beast. That's what it says in verse 2, okay. So it's interesting that uh, people are threatening the people of God. Commandment people um, saying that if they don't receive the mark of the beast, they are going to suffer infliction okay but uh, it happens exactly the opposite those that receive the mark of the beast and worship the beast they are the ones that are inflicted physically so all physical security is in who friends is in Christ even though the world may threaten those who wants to stand for God with physical threaten God is the one that can protect his people okay and even if he doesn't as the Hebrew the three Hebrew men said to Nebuchadnezzar, even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow before the image. So the second plague is the sea turns to blood. And you can see that in verse 3. Notice carefully what it says in verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became what, everyone? Blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Okay, so you can imagine here. If you, if you have the sea, the oceans, becoming or turning into blood, how would that affect the economy of the world? With no more uh, sheep being able to bring uh, materials and, uh, and also all the tourism that takes place in the ocean um, and, uh, and many other things that uh, rely on the sea to, to move the economy. But yet... The beast says, if you don't receive the mark, you're not going to be able to buy and sell. But uh, in reality, those that are unfaithful to Christ, they will suffer economically. All economy security is in Christ. Where we place all our efforts in earthly things, Christ is saying, give your heart to me. He's not saying that we can't work, we can't make progress in life, but he wants a balance. He wants him to be the center of our lives and uh, as we seek God in first place, all these things will be added unto us. So the third plague is the rivers turned to blood. Notice in verse 4 what it says there. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Water is a symbol of life in the Bible, friends. It's a symbol of life. So what is the message there? The message is that Christ is the one that can secure our lives, who gives our lives, okay, and, uh, and not, not the beast. So you can imagine the chaos that we are witnessing here in Revelation when the seas turn into blood, when the fountains of water turn into blood. You have no water, no water to drink, no water to grow food, no water to bathe, no water for electricity, 
it's, it's a crisis that will happen in the world. So notice what we find in verse 5 and 6. So the plagues are related to the sins of the people. Notice what it says. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged this thing. So the angels, they acknowledge that God gave the measure according to their deeds. Notice what it says now. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their, what's the next word? just do and by the way you know killing the saints and the prophets you can study in the scriptures that when we persecute God's people and we express enmity against God's people we are guilty just as much as those in the past who persecuted the saints and the prophets Jesus talked about that in the gospels but let's move on here here it is the message friends all of our life is in Christ. That's what we find with that plague in the waters. Life is found in Christ. And during that time, though the world is going through a crisis, Isaiah 33, verse 16, there is a promise. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. That's the promise that we have. Okay, so the world may collapse, but God will sustain his people during that time. Okay. So notice carefully here what we have. Now is the fourth plague. The first one, the sores. The second one, sea turns to blood. The third, rivers turn to blood. And the fourth, scourging sun. No, let's read what it says in verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scourge man with, what's the next word? With fire. And then it says, And man were scourged with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. So you see that their hearts are unchanged during the time that was available for salvation. They rejected. Now probation has closed. They are suffering the plagues. And even though they are suffering the plagues just like Pharaoh, the hearts were unchanged. Okay, so they hardened their hearts just like Pharaoh. But it's interesting that the plague fell on the, uh, on the sun, and the sun scorched them with great heat. Friends, we know that in the last days, the issue will be worship the Creator God, and that includes the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, and the mark of the beast, it implies Sunday worship, which is a day for the sun God to be worshipped. It came from paganism into Christianity. So now the sun is scourging them. The plagues reveal that they have not trusted the wrong, they have trusted the wrong sources. Okay, all true worship is in who, friends? It's in Christ. It's in Christ. And I know as we read uh, these, these prophecies here, you may say, but this seems to be uh, not a God in harmony with the one that gave his life on the cross of Calvary. That's because you may, maybe it's the case, you're not reading the Bible as a whole. Because when we read the scripture as a whole, we find a, a perfect balance between mercy and justice. Okay, so before God exercises judgment, he makes sure he extends plenty of mercy. Would you say amen for that? So I want you to see here a promise, and I'll just read quickly here for the sake of time. In Psalms 91, it's a well-known psalm, and verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust so we can claim promises during this time if we live to go through this time of trouble when the plagues will fall upon the world now here we have let's talk about the fifth plague for a moment there is darkness here and uh, i invite you to go with me to verse 10 in your bibles revelation 16 verse 10 notice what the bible says then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the notice carefully on the water if you want the throne of the beast. And we already identified the, the beast as the Roman Catholic Church and state, okay? It fell on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of, whatever you want, darkness, and they not their tongue because of the pain. Now, friends, we need to meditate upon that just for a moment. If you go to Revelation 13 for a moment, I don't have in the slide. You're welcome to go there if you will. Revelation 13, 
It talks about the kingdom of the beast in the last days. There was a deadly wound in 1798, as we already saw, as the papacy lost political power and temporal power, state power, uh, excuse me, with France uh, or through France, but that has been restored slowly, and we see again uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and state growing in power. But notice carefully what it says here, in verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. That's the beast if you read contextually. Will worship him whose name have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So you can see here that in the last days, friends, the whole world will worship the beast. Notice what we find in verse 3. The Bible says, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. That's 1798. Okay, when the Pope lost political power and his deadly wound was healed. So there will be a healing of that deadly wound. And what's going to happen afterwards, after the healing? And all the world marveled and followed the what, if you want, of the beast. You see that the kingdom of the beast will be a kingdom that will have global influence. Friends, it is possible only going through to know, but uh, there will be darkness upon the world. Now, notice carefully here the message. All light is only in who? Where do we find light, friends? It's in Christ, not on the papal system. You don't find light there. Okay, so the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a what, if you want? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. They have rejected the word of God and replaced with the traditions of man. And now God gives them darkness, okay? Gives them what they have been looking for. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But they have rejected Jesus by rejecting his message, his teachings found in the word of God. Now, I want to take you to Revelation 16. Back to Revelation 16 and verse 11. Let's go there, Revelation 16, verse 11, and see what the Bible has to say. Notice carefully here. Even though they are going through these plagues, the Bible says they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. So the first, plagues, the first plague is still uh, you know, affecting the people all the way to the fifth. So we can tell it's a short time. We don't know how long. And, then it didn't, and they did not repent of their deeds. There is no repentance, friends. Remember, he that is just, let him be just still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. Probation has already closed. Nobody can enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus no more until the seven plagues are fulfilled. So here we go. A statement here for us. It is extremely dangerous to turn from any teaching that comes from where, friends? Of God's word that you know. Why is it dangerous? We saw what, what will happen with the papacy. There will be darkness in the kingdom of the papacy. If you do that, you will be gradually led into darkness, spiritual darkness, friends. So let's not reject truth when God presents truth for us. But I want to meditate with you on the sixth plague. And that will require a little bit more thinking here, but let's go together. The sixth plague, and there is a, uh, there is a statement here, the sixth plague is not what if you want, literal, okay? The first five, they are literal. The seventh, it's literal. And we know that because it's a parallel with the experience of Egypt. But on the sixth plague, the Bible says very clear it's not literal. We are going to read the plague, and then I'm going to show you how I know it's not literal. So let's read what the Bible says in Revelation 16, verse 12. Notice what it says. And by the way, you're going to find an imagery coming straight from Babylon. Straight from where, everyone? Babylon, literal Babylon. Notice what it says here in verse 12. The Bible says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river. What's the name of the river? Euphrates. Friends, tell me. Euphrates was a river that went through what nation according to the Bible? Babylon. Okay, so Babylon was this huge empire. There was this huge city, and the city was uh, surrounded by walls that the enemies could not penetrate and through the walls, going through the city, you have the great river Euphrates, making sure they had supply of water. It was the support of Babylon. It was what of Babylon, everyone? The support. Remember this word. That's the key word for our study this morning, if you want to understand what it means here. Okay, 
the river Euphrates, it's a symbol of the support that literal Babylon received. But this is already, you know, John writing Babylon had already passed away centuries before. But this is definitely talking about spiritual Babylon as we are going to see in a little bit. Notice what happened with the river Euphrates here. And its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. If you remember the story of Babylon, the kings of the east that came to conquer Babylon was who? It was the Medes and the Persians, Cyrus, okay, and his uncle Darius, okay. And you remember that Cyrus, according to the book of Isaiah, is a type of who, everyone? Of Jesus, the Messiah. So Cyrus came from the east and conquered Babylon. This is a reference to the king of kings that will come from the east. That's Jesus. And you say, how do you know that Jesus will come to, uh, from the east? You can go to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. He says that his coming will be like the lightning that shows from, from the east to the west. Okay, so that's one of the references. But you have in Revelation chapter 7, the angel with the seal of God coming from the east. So the kingdom of God is to the east of this planet. So here we have uh, the king coming from the east. Now, how do I know this is a symbolic uh, plague and not literal as the other ones? Go with me to chapter 17 for a moment. Chapter 17 for a moment, and uh, let's see what we find here. Notice in verse 1. Notice the language. Then... One of the seven angels who had the seven, what if you want? Bowls, stop right there. One of the seven angels. What would be the natural question here, friends, if you're really curious and studying the word? Which one of the seven? These are talking about one of the seven angels that poured out the plagues. But one of them came back to John. So he came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of who? The great harlot who sits on many waters. And guess what? You know, first of all, you have here, he's going to talk about the great harlot that sits on many what, everyone? What, remember that. This great harlot sits on many waters. Does the sixth plague have to do with waters? Yes or no? Yes, the great river of Freitas. Now, notice, what's the name of this harlot? Go to verse 5 with me for a moment. Verse 5, the Bible says, And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, what's the name, everyone? Babylon the Great. So here you have a great harlot who is called Babylon. Okay, it's a spiritual Babylon. We already know it's a symbol, again, of the Roman Catholic Church and state, along with the Protestant churches that have compromised the word of God and rejected the three angels' message along with spiritualism. We find that in chapter 16 as well. We will see that for a moment. But you have here this Babylon, this great false system of religion, okay? And she is sitting on many, what if you want? Waters. You have to use the analogy here. You have to ask yourself, in order for you to know what is this many waters that this spiritual Babylon is sitting on, you have to ask yourself, what was the name of the many waters that literal Babylon in the days of Nebuchadnezzar and all the kings of Babylon, what was the name of the waters that literal Babylon sat upon? The river of Freitas. So that angel is the sixth angel that came back to talk to John. Listen. You know, I know you understood all the other plagues, but I came back here to explain to you the sixth plague. Okay, that's what's happening in chapter 17. He came back to explain the sixth plague. And he says, keep in mind, friend, that that woman, that harlot that sits upon many waters called the river of Freitas, is, it's called Babylon, it's spiritual Babylon. And we already know that the woman in Bible prophecy is pointing to a religious system here that is corrupted because she's a prostitute according to this verse. Notice what we find in verse 15. Go with me. So let's learn what the many waters called river of freighters actually symbolize in the Bible. The Bible says in verse 15, Then he said to me, The waters, tell me again the name of the waters, everyone. River of Freitas. 
the waters which you saw where the harlot seats are, what if you want? Peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Now go back to chapter 16 with me for a moment. Go back there. Because just as the literal river of Euphrates was the support of literal Babylon, friends, spiritual Babylon also will have a support. And that support is not a literal river, a literal water, but it's actually the nations of the world, the peoples of the world, the, the, the different tongues that support these power. Okay, But what's going to happen according to... This sixth plague. Go back there to chapter 16, verse 12. I don't have here in the slide for you, but notice verse 12, what it says again. The Bible says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river of Euphrates. You already know it's a symbol of nations and peoples and tongues and multitudes. And what's going to happen with all these nations that are supporting this false system of religion? And its water was what? dried up so the nations of the world will withdraw the support from spiritual Babylon and the question should be why the question should be why friends remember the plagues are falling upon what kind of people the faithful people of God or those that have the mark of the beast or are worshipping the image of the beast and worshipping the beast who are receiving the plagues the unfaithful one right so far as the unfaithful people are receiving the marks, or, or, or I'm sorry, the plagues, excuse me, they will say, you know, like, perhaps it might be because of those that are not complying. As we're going to see in a little bit, an, uh, you know, uh, an allusion to that. But now on the fifth plague, if you remember the fifth plague, it fell on the throne of the beast. It fell where, everyone? the throne of the beast. Now there is a problem. When, uh, when the people in general were being affected by the plagues, you could tell us that it's because of those that don't want to comply with the false system of worship. But when the leaders themselves who are supposed to be speaking for God and representing God, when they themselves are affected by the plagues, now there is a red flag. A huge red flag. And then the sixth plague says that the river of freighters will what? Dry up. The support of spiritual Babylon from the nations will be withdrawn. Now go with me to verse 13 and 14. And as we go there, I need to prepare you before you read those verses. Revelation often opens parentheses. Open what, everyone? Parenthesis to give explanation. He needs to explain what is this river Euphrates here that will be eventually dried up. Now, there is a parenthesis here. It's not in chronological order, but to tell you how the river Euphrates gathered together to support Babylon. Notice verse 13, what it says. The Bible says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frauds coming out of the mouth of the Dragon, that's a representation of spiritualism. Okay, so the dragon traces back all the way to the serpent in the garden. That you shall surely not die, you know, preaching the immortality of the soul. And out of the mouth of the beast, so that's pointing to the Roman Catholic Church and state. And out of the mouth of the what, if you want? The false prophet, that's Protestantism that has departed from the truth and held to tradition. So there is an alliance here between the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The unification of the religions of the world, an ecumenical movement. Notice what it says in the next verse about these spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of what, everyone? Demons. And what do they do to deceive the people? Performing signs. You're going to see signs in spiritualism, in Protestantism, and in Catholicism. They are performing signs. For what purpose? Which go out to the king of the earth, the kings of the earth. So an alliance with the state power. We're going to see here more and more the church coming together with the state power. And of the, how much of the world? The whole world. It is a global agenda here. 
bringing religion back to this world. That's in itself is not bad, but the problem is they are replacing God's word with the traditions of man. And to gather themselves to the battle, and that's the battle of Armageddon, by the way, if you see in verse 16. To gather them to the battle of the great day of the God Almighty. And friends, when you study about the battle of the great day of the God Almighty, I could easily show you from the Bible that it's talking about the time of God's wrath, the seven last plagues. There will be a battle there. Why are they battling against God during the seven last plagues? Because they are blaming God's people. And you say, but it doesn't mention God's people here. They are battling against the God Almighty. Friends, remember the Apostle Paul before he was converted? He was persecuting the church. Was it not true? And then when he was in the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus appearing to him. And you remember the question that Jesus said, made to him? He said, why you persecute me? Now, did Paul ever persecute Jesus, literally speaking, yes or no? No, he was persecuting who? God's people. The way you persecute and you fight against God is by persecuting his people. So that's the illusion that I told you that during that time, the world will come together and eventually God's people will become the target. Okay? Until the fifth plague, because once the fifth plague falls upon the throne of the beast, and there is darkness in the throne of the beast, the people wake up. Wait a minute. We are being affected by the plague. We are not protected by the plague. These people are. And guess what? Our leaders are not protected either. We have been deceived. And that's why the river of freight is dry up. The support... So that false system will collapse. And that's where we find the word Armageddon. In that context, friends. In verse 16, the Bible says, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, what's the word? Armageddon. Armageddon, if you study in the scripture, was a particular region where nations, they battle against each other. It was a place of battle. And the revelation borrows that language to say that in the last days there will be a great battle. The Israelites in the Old Testament, they often fought in this region called Armageddon or Megiddo, depending um, how the translation is. Okay, so, and what the revelation is saying is that God's people will have to battle again in the last day. Not a physical battle, but it will be a spiritual battle. A matter of loyalty. What side we stand? Notice here, the word Armageddon comes from the Hebrew root words Har and Megiddo, meaning mountain of, what everyone? Slaughter. And uh, in the book of Judges, when his people were surrounded and doom seemed certain, God miraculously, what's the next word? Deliver them. And that's exactly what's going to happen. When the whole world is opposing God's people, he will deliver his people. That's why in verse 15 on the same chapter we find here, notice how God's people are going through that time of trouble. Behold, I come quickly. I com I'm coming as a thief, excuse me. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. That's how we fight. It's making sure we watch and pray and making sure our character is not stained with sin. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Okay, that language goes all the way from Genesis when uh, Adam and Eve, they sinned and they were ashamed because they were naked. So nakedness in the Bible is a symbol of sin. Notice what, we, what it says here in this statement. What sense would it make to say that Christ delivered his people before the tribulation when the Bible says he is coming as a thief after the tribulation? Okay, so it's necessary to encourage God's people that as they are going through these plagues but protected, that Christ is with them. In Christ, we are what, everyone? Secure, sheltered, and safe. We have plenty of promises to claim. Again, Psalms 91, from verse 5 to 8. You probably know this psalm. Some of you may have memorized. It says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that files by day. 
nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come, what? Near you, friends. What a beautiful promise. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the the reward of the wicked. So God's people will see it until Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven and delivers them. But before that happens, I just want to conclude here with the seventh plague. And I want you to read with me verse 17 and 18. Notice what the Bible says. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. That was the last one. Now it's over. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. So the very foundation of this world will be broken up. Notice verse 20. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Verse 21. And great hell from heaven fell upon man, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. But in all that, friends, God's people are protected by him. Would you say amen for that? The world may collapse, but those that trust their life and make a stand for Christ will remain. And that's my appeal for all of us this morning, friends, especially for you who have been studying the Bible with us and learning about present truth. The time is coming for you to make a decision as well. And prophecy predicts, and this is not to to scare you because only the love of God can lead us to repentance, but the reality is as we resist the Spirit of God, there will come a time that probation will close. And we want to be ready on the side of Christ with the seal of the living God and not with the mark of the beast. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.